Anyway, it's a great time. It's amazing. But Bible school had an impact on me and on so many others. And I'm thankful for the ministry that it has among us. So I want to encourage you to be prayerfully considering how you can join in in one of the most effective ways that we help people to know what God is like. One of the most effective ways that we have in growing children in the likeness of Christ and showing what God is like to them is this ministry of Vacation Bible School. The dates are on there. The opportunities and ways to serve are on there as well. So I hope you'll prayerfully consider that. It's one of the highlights of my year. I love the missions class that we have the opportunity to do every year because the children just ingest the message of the missions to the entire world of bringing the gospel to all of the nations. And I'm amazed. I was at an event recently, one of our multi-church events, and one of our children passed by me at that event and started rattling off the things that they had learned in the VBS Missions Center. And I was really impressed at how she had recalled instantly the very reason that we do missions. So it was a great joy to see that lasting impact. Open your Bibles with me this morning. I want to give a simple overview that ties together three messages that we've done and looks forward to a series of messages we're going to do It kind of brings together an idea about how we are to view ourselves as the church. I began praying over about five months ago, maybe six, praying over what way could we think of ourselves as a church that is simple, that is something we can remember and consider daily, that's reproducible in our ministries, and that is very explainable to folks inside the church and outside the church. And as I began praying over that, I sensed God leading me toward three particular words that I've been laying out in the series of messages leading up today. They're at the heading of your outline today. And then I'm going to show you some images today that sort of represent the heart of these ideas and how we as a church should think. In 2 Corinthians, the Bible teaches us, as we reviewed last week, in chapter 5 at the end of the chapter, that the ministry of reconciliation between God and human beings was handed to the church. And that, therefore, the church were ministers of reconciliation. And there was a name used uh, there, ambassador, which is an official governmental representative of one nation that goes out and represents that government to other nations and other people groups. And so the word that Paul used was an important word in his day, Because the person who served as an ambassador represented the character and nature of the country and the king that he or she represented. And so Paul said the ministry of reconciliation was handed to the church at the corporate level, the us, the we level. But it was also handed to us at the individual, the I or the me level. 
And in handing that ministry to us, we are ambassadors and I am an ambassador. You are an ambassador. So that in our encounters with other human beings, I am communicating to them the kind of king that I serve and the kind of kingdom that I am a citizen of, an inhabitant of. As I make that representation that Paul mentions in chapter 5, it leaves a certain flavor, a certain savor, a certain... Paul uses the word here in chapter 2 that was read, a certain aroma. Now, aroma is a funny word. We use it about a lot of things. Paul mentions that aromas kind of tend in one of two directions. It, it tends in a direction that is beautiful and fragrant and attractive and enticing. And it tends toward a direction of something that's putrid, something that is uh, horrid, something that is repulsive. And that aromas tend primarily to be in those categories. We all know what it's like when we're driving down the road with the windows down and we pass an animal that's been killed on the road and it's been there for a little while and all of a sudden you're rolling the windows up going, oh man, I can't believe that, it's horrible. No, roll the windows back down, get that smell out of here. And so you get that kind of death smell. And then there's the smells that you smell that are just so beautiful, like McDonald's french fries. They're just kinds of aromas like a sweet olive tree blowing through the breeze when it's in bloom. Or the smell, Sherry's perfume absolutely blows my mind. It's just one of those things that when I smell it, it's all of these thoughts and all of these things travel with it. One of the earliest aroma memories I have in my mind is a memory when I was a child, very young, and we went camping. And we went to a place called Amicalola Falls, which is up in north Georgia. And it's a beautiful campsite, and we were camped at this campground near the base of the falls where you could hear the falls all night just with the beautiful roar as they were coming down, and it just sounded glorious. And so I remember waking up that morning, and the very first smell that I smelled was frying bacon. How many of you can relate with that one? It's like, man, I love bacon. And so the aroma of bacon. And so I can remember pulling my nose out from under my sleeping bag and going, oh, wow, what is that? And my mom had that little Coleman stove. Y'all know what I'm talking about? A little Coleman stove with the, the little pump on it on the end and you pump that dude up and she's frying the bacon and it's filling the campsite. And I can remember that. It's one of the earliest memories I have. And today, when I smell bacon, I am taken all the way back through my life to that moment. Aromas have a very powerful effect on us. They remind us of things. They tell us of things. They recall memories. They repel us or they attract us. They, as a restaurant smell when you're really hungry, it's kind of 
flowing out into the street and you're walking through a town and you start smelling the food and you're kind of drawn in going, man, I'm really hungry now that I smell that, to having to drive by a garbage dump and going, man, that is just so bad. And all of the different things. Some aromas are kind of in between. Years ago, I had my first introduction to something I'd never encountered. I was in a little town. It was the second time that I ever preached in my life. There were 12 people at the little church, Reggio Baptist Church. Anybody even know where Reggio is? It's right by the end of the world. There's a sign there that says that. It's near the little town of Violet. Past Chalmette and Araby and all of that. It's way on out before the marsh begins as the Mississippi River turns back to the south and heads on to dump out into the Gulf. And I went there to preach to the twelve people at the church and after church a nice lady came to me. She said, my name is Helen Deo Gracias and I'm responsible for feeding you today. So follow me. So Sherry was at work. She was working at Baptist Hospital doing the night shift thing at the time. So I got in my car and followed Miss Helen Deo Gracias to her house that was 14 feet off the ground on stilts. She said, we lost one house in Betsy and lost another house in Camille. We figured we'd try to keep this one. So they set it way up off the ground and she brought me in. And I smelled something I'd never smelled before. You have to remember, I'm a Georgia boy. And so smells like I was smelling, were brand new. And so I was trying to figure out, is this a good smell or a bad smell? Because it was a new smell. And so I got into the house, and she pulled this big cauldron out of the oven. And I guess she'd left her oven on low because it was still hot. And she set it in the middle of the table, and she put this big clump of rice into my bowl, and she put this ladle down into that cauldron, and she dumped this dark, rich soup that had claws in it right into my plate, and these strong smells that came with it. She added to that some green powder. Okay? And you have to remember, I'm not from around here. And so I'm trying to figure out what's going on. i got these smells, i got these claws, i got all this going on. And so I really don't know what to do. And I'm doing the thing where you move your food around. You know what I'm talking about? They look like you're doing something with it. And finally, after she leads us in prayer, I say, well, I'm going to have to try. This is one of those New Testament whatever set before you moments. And so I put my spoon down into that dark, rich mixture, and I put it to my mouth, and I said... I've never tasted anything this good. What is it? She said, what? She said, honey, it's gumbo. I said, man, I don't know. This is awesome. Now when I smell gumbo, I'm not confused about whether it's a good smell or a bad smell. But you know, some people hate the smell of seafood. So when they smell something like seafood gumbo, they're like repulsed. Well, look at this text. It's very simple. Paul says in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says it very simply. He says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph. And then he says and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him. Where? What does he say? In every place. The Apostle Paul is talking about 
bringing the knowledge of God to every place that we go and leaving an aroma, leaving a savor, leaving a flavor with them on arrival, that aroma comes with you. On departure, that aroma lingers. And there is, I'll never forget hearing the story of a man who worked at a company that processed the stuff that makes natural gas stink. And he told me how after work every day, he literally had to strip and to shower and to clean everything before he could do anything else because the smell of where he worked, that natural gas smell in that strong, strong raw form was overwhelmingly bad. And that his wife couldn't get near him, his children couldn't get near him, it was just terrible. But it got to the place where it finally just started permeating his skin. And he can remember that even when he had cleaned and showered and changed, that it still kind of came out of him as a result of having been around it so much. There is a kind of knowing God. There is a kind of growing in the likeness of God that so permeates our being that everywhere we go, there's an aroma that comes with us. And people sense it. They smell it. They experience it because they're with us. And so the Apostle Paul, in being an ambassador, understood that he brought with him the representative knowledge of God in every place that he went. And he took that seriously. He took it so seriously that he said, who is adequate to carry this out? And so what I wanted to do today is give you sort of a framework with three icons as reminders that you and I are ambassadors as Christians and that we serve in every place we go, in our home, in the marketplace, in traffic, in church, in private, in public, we serve as a group of people who claim to know God, who claim to be being formed in His likeness, and who claim to be able to show other people what God is like. And with that comes this incredible responsibility. And that responsibility the Apostle Paul calls an aroma of the knowledge of God in every place. So when we walk in a place, we bring a certain smell. When we leave the place, we leave a certain aroma. And people consider what God is like by their interaction with us. We sort of, what we would say, put a taste in their mouth. And what we want to be able to do is to say to people, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so, with the help of my daughter and Myra McKay, I've 
develop these three icons, let's start with the first one and talk about the responsibility that comes with it. The responsibility to know God. The end for which God has made all of the creation is for us to know Him. That's what God is about. That's what He is doing. He has done that in many ways. Go ahead, Lynn. He's done it these particular ways. He's revealed Himself in the creation. All of the expanse of the heavens declare the glory of God. God's goal is for you to know Him. And so one of the first hints He gives you of Himself is the creation itself. Then He wires within you a thing called conscience. And so inside of you is this knowledge of Him that reminds you that you were made in His image and that there is somebody outside of you that holds you accountable for the things inside of you and makes you aware of a thing called good and evil. But God goes further by bringing us, and that's the centerpiece of this icon, He gives us the Bible so that we may know Him. The Bible is God's principal, primary source of revelation. Christ is the complete revelation. But the Bible is that which gives us the lead up to Christ. It gives us the appearance of Christ. It gives us the gospel of Christ. It gives us the ascension of Christ. It gives us the ongoing work of Christ so that we can understand God's ultimate reality to us in Christ. The Bible is the centerpiece of our knowing Him. He has gone to great lengths in the creation, in the conscience, in giving us the Bible to make us know Jesus Christ so that we could see God very clearly. And Jesus is that perfect image of the invisible God. He was able to say to His disciples, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. And so God wants us to know Him. In fact, Jesus defines eternal life by saying, and this is eternal life, to know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And then after Jesus leaves, he leaves the church to commend the knowledge of God to all people, to all nations, to every living human being. That is the task the church has. That's where the aroma, the ambassadorship comes in. God wants you to go to every human being with the responsibility that you are His representative, with Him as the King and you as the ambassador, His kingdom as the country you represent, and your ambassadorship as that which represents Him. He wants you to go and carry the message of the knowledge of Him as an aroma in every place you go. That's our responsibility corporately and individually. But He does it to these ends so that we can know Him first accurately. God wants the knowledge of Him to be clear. If you follow me on Twitter, you saw my very serious warning about the movie The Shack and how misrepresentative of God the movie is. Well, A lot of people were like, well, we're just not sure. Well, if you follow on Twitter, you saw that I posted the book that the man subsequently uh, released that told what he really believes in the book, The Shack. And if you will take the time just to read that book, you'll see how far off he is. 
he says that the cross, if God required Jesus' death, then God is a cosmic child abuser. So if you want to know what the theology beneath the shack is, you need to read the book that the man has released that tells what he's really trying to get across to us. It's very important. He also believes in what's called universal salvation. That means that no matter what you believe, no matter what you do, everybody's going to heaven. Now, these things are what we call gross inaccuracies. In the theological realm, we call it heresy. That's a strong word. But it's heresy to say those things. So part of our responsibility is to not only know God accurately, but to represent Him accurately. That means what we teach and what we say, the sources we recommend and the sources we feed on, they're important. And so God wants us to know Him accurately, so He's given us His Word as the perfect guide for that. Now, we also see that He wants us to know Him personally. God is not a distant sort of uh, nebulous spirit. He is a personal being who made us in His image and wants a personal relationship because He lives in a personal relationship. Father, Son, and Spirit for all of eternity has existed that way. He wants us to know Him savingly as our rescuer, our deliverer, our ransom, our justification, our propitiation. He wants us to know Him as the one who redeems us from our sin, from the curse. He wants us to know Him as the one who saves us from condemnation, who saves us even from His own wrath by pouring that wrath out on His Son, Jesus. God wants us to know Him savingly. He wants us to know Him intimately. He expresses Himself in relationships that are the most intimate. Father, son, father, daughter, parent, child, husband, wife, with Jesus calling us His brothers, siblings, the three most intimate relationships on the earth, parents to child, husband to wife, and siblings, are all ways that God represents Himself to know us, for us to know Him intimately. Finally, He wants us to know Him eternally. So, bringing all that into one statement now, this is how it should go. Go ahead, Lynn. Knowing God should be the chief pursuit of the life of every follower of Jesus Christ. What I want you to get up in the morning and say to yourself is, this is my big task today. I need to know God. He's given me all these means. The creation, the conscience. He's given me the Bible and Christ. He's given me the church. He wants me to know Him in these ways accurately, personally, savingly, intimately, eternally. So my chief task when I get up today, I need to know God. That's what I need to be about. It should be my chief pursuit. That should flow into the second thing. And that is grow. Everywhere in the Bible, the people who know God are called to, commanded to, and demonstrate that they grow in the likeness of God. When God first made us, He created us in His image. In the fall, that was marred. But in the new creation that we are, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone be in Christ, 
He is a new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. This is the recreation of us in the likeness of God. We're being formed and conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. And therefore, when we set off in the morning to know Him, it needs to be toward this end. That knowing Him makes me more like Him. That the result of knowing Him is growing in His likeness. In fact, you have passages, like in First John it says, that the one who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. So if I know Him, I am growing in His likeness so that I become a fruit-bearing person. And all of a sudden, the characters of my life start flowing out in, in, in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. For the fruit of the Spirit is what? What's the first one? Love, and then joy, and then peace, and then patience, and kindness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. Those are all things that are the character of God as I grow in His likeness. So here's what I want to get up with every day. Here's what I want us as a church to get up doing. I want to get up and I want to say, hey, I need to know God. That's what I need to be about today. That's how I need to spend my time and what I need to go after. It needs to be my chief pursuit. And the result needs to be that I am growing in His likeness. And so I need to know Him and grow in His likeness. But it doesn't end there. And that's where we lead to the third icon. That is to show. All through the Bible, the people of God have a task. They're representatives. They're ambassadors. They're proclaimers. They're witnesses. They're folks who give a message and folks who are a message. And so the Apostle Paul uses this kind of idea when he says, we are an aroma of the knowledge of God in every place. So when we show up, we are there to show what God is like. When you're talking to your waiter or waitress, when you're at the checkout line with people around you and a person serving you at the cash register, when you're speaking with an employee or an employer or a coworker, your first and foremost thing is that you represent God to them. And that they are to see in you that your knowledge of God has changed you. All through the Bible you hear these calls that say, do not be like them. Do not be like the Gentiles. Do not be like the ungodly. Do not be like those who are far from God. Do not be like the sinner. You hear those calls because there is a very clear message in the Bible that you are to be radically different. That the nature of the God who lives in you as a believer bears fruit of making you like Him so that you show other people. Because that's why God still has you here. Your ministry is a ministry of representation. And so... 
to summarize this, showing what God is like should be at the root of every action of every follower of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, if something is at the root, it's in the motive, it's in the foundation, it's in the base, it's in the origin. So I start thinking of myself this way every day. Bart Walker gets up and he says to himself, What is the Christian life? It is that I should know God in such an accurate personal, intimate, saving, eternal way that He is making me look like, act like, talk like, and smell like Him. So that when I get around people, I show them what He's like. And I can think that way every single day. I can get up in the morning and I can say, this is my task. I should know God in such a way that I grow in His likeness, that I show other people what He is like. And so at the end of the day, how can I assess? Did I grow in my knowledge of Him today? Did I grow in my likeness of Him today? And did I, as a result, show the people that I came in contact with what He is like? In other words, what did I smell like to everyone I met today? What odor did I leave? What savor, what flavor, what aroma dwelt in the heart and in the mind, in the nostrils and in the taste buds of every person I encountered? Now, this is very important. It's important because I think that this is the fundamental call of the Christian life. That you and I wake up in the morning and we say, here's my task. Go to the very last slide, Lynn. This is my task. I'm going to open my Bible because it is the clearest place. It's going to supersede all devotional books. All study books. It's going to supersede every book that I've got. I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to look in here. Because God, I want to know you. And as I pour over His Word, He's going to use His Holy Spirit in me to shape me and to form me so that the result will be that I grow in His likeness. And as I walk out my door to carry about my day, as I meet with my children, as I spend time with my wife, I want the aroma of what they have in an interaction of me say, that was like Christ. I want my neighbors, as I interact with them, to say, He smells a lot like Jesus. I want a waiter or a waitress to leave my table and say, That's some funny smelling people that are here. What is different about them? I want there to be such an aroma. And so the Apostle Paul says this, and I'll close with this. 
Because I think this, this is such an incredibly massive task that we will immediately go, how can that happen? How could I actually grow in such a way because of my knowledge of Him that I show people I'm inadequate? And that's why Paul says, here's how that works. Come over to verse 4 of chapter 3 and I'll close with this. And such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves. Now remember Paul had asked the question of adequacy back in chapter 2. Who's adequate for these things? He says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. What does that mean? I believe that God never calls us to accomplish something that He does not empower us to be able to accomplish. I believe if every church member at Kingsville Baptist Church got up tomorrow morning and said in earnestness of heart, God, I want to know You. I want to know You in these ways that are so clear. And I want to grow in Your likeness in such a way that as I encounter people today, what they will leave with is an aroma. An aroma of the sweet, loving, grace-filled, truth-based love of Christ. And that as a result, people will begin to inquire as we share the Gospel and as we model the Gospel, they will begin to inquire about what God is like. My challenge to you is to seek this. Over the next several weeks, I'm going to share with you why I believe we should seek it, how we should seek it, and some particular ways as a church that we can carry out this mission of knowing God, growing in His likeness, and showing what He is like to the world. Would you bow with me? Father, by the grace of Jesus, we come to You now with thanksgiving. You have given us a task, an ambassadorship. You have given us a responsibility. You have given us a calling. And that is that we are to work as representatives of a king, that we are to work as representatives of a kingdom where we communicate to this world and to each other what you are like. And so I pray that you move within us a depth of desire to know you. That we would be like the Apostle Paul that His yearning was that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to the image of His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. That we may be like Christ who said to you that He had made known Your name to us. And we could say to you, we have made Your name known to the nations and to our neighbors. 
And so, Father, I pray you would give to us a deep desire to know you. And that the result would be that folks would look at Kingsville Baptist Church and they would say, you know, that smell, that aroma, that savor that they bring, it's like Christ. I pray, Father, that the result of that would be the salvation of souls. So we pray to you today to make this so in us and to bring it about.